Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. And uh, very excited this morning. Uh, it is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And today we want to celebrate that. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Abacare, who is with us today, who this church supports monthly in giving. And uh, Jessica is here from Abacare. Yeah, come on, give them a great big hand clap as Jessica comes forward and tells us about Abacare, who is right here in our area. Jessica, thanks for being with us. God bless you. And we are thankful for the ministry of Abacare. Thank you very much. Okay. I'm Jessica Van Meter. I'm the nurse manager with Abacare. Um, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak real quick. I'm going to talk fast because I've got a lot of information to get in real quick for you. But first, I want to read a Bible verse, and I'll come back to this one here in a minute. It's um, James 1, 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Wow, that's a lot to expect out of us, isn't it? But let me tell you what Abacare is doing. Abacare has been in the area for 32 years. Um, it started out as a program just to advocate into the lives of abortion-minded women. But since then, it has evolved into this beautiful ministry to our community. Well, we see what we call life-minded clients. Those are our clients that come to us because financially they can't quite get to the OBGYN. So they want to know that their pregnancy is healthy and everything that they're looking for. So we bless them. But our true clients, the ones that we really want to meet, are the ones that are scared. They're the ones that are coming because they feel like abortion is their only option. So we get the opportunity to sit down with them, as you saw on the screen there, and really explain to them what those hard decisions are, what an abortion is, or what adoption is. Most people don't even know what adoption is. Like they have a concept of, oh, I'm giving up my baby. But no, it's not that at all. It's, it's planning a future for your baby that you can't quite give your baby at that time. But we also have this amazing program that is called Sexual Risk Avoidance. It's for our youth ministries and our young middle school. Fortunately, when we're in the West Virginia schools, can't quite get into Frederick County schools for, with this. But um, we teach integrity. We teach sexual purity. But with that, not only do we do that, is we teach the girls and guys that they don't have to find their significance in a boy or a girl. They can find it in the public school system. We can't, we can allude to Christ, but the beauty of being, when we can go into the churches, we can tell them they can find their significance in Christ. So, and then the hard discussions we have as parents. We also have a program and a curriculum that come alongside parents to have those hard conversations about sex with your kids. That's not fun. I have teenagers at home. I get it. But we have that, that resource there for you too. But another big one that we have is, before I even tell you this statistic, I want you all to look around and see all the people in this room right now. One in four women have had an abortion, or abortion has touched their lives in some way. So there are women in this room that it has touched and it has affected. And they feel shame, they feel grief, they feel they can't tell anybody. We have a program that can help those women. Let them know that 
Christ has forgiven them for it, especially if you're a believer. Christ is forgiven. But we still carry that grief on our own and on ourselves. But we have the opportunity to teach those women that they don't have to do that anymore. They can forgive themselves as well. So, my goodness. We have parenting classes. These young girls and young guys that come in and they don't know what, they're like, I'm going to have a baby. I don't know what to do. We have amazing teachers that come alongside these young ladies and men. We also have peer coaching where we have young ladies that can do individual coaching with women. We have young men that can do individual coaching. We have quite a few pastors in our areas that have stepped up to take these young men under their wings, which is so awesome to see. And the big thing that we like to, to press the point here is Abacare is not based on judgment. Our young ladies come to us scared broken, fearful that, and I won't, it's just not secular community. It's my young 16, 17-year-old Christians who made a mistake, but they're scared to go to their parents, or they're scared to tell somebody. So we open them without judgment and point them again. Christ will power them to work through this. So, but back to our verse. God has allowed us to minister to these young women through you all, not through our power, because we go to work every day, we meet these women, but most of these services, actually all of these services are free of charge because of you. So now I want to tell you a story about one girl. This was a hard one, 37-year-old girl. She comes in, she just left a difficult relationship, has a one-year-old at home. She found out she's pregnant again and she doesn't know what to do. Abortion is her only option. She does not want to be tied to this man anymore at all. And she thinks with two kids, she's going to be tied to him forever. So we go over what her options are. We show her that ultrasound. Statistically, if a young lady sees that little baby and that heartbeat, they will change their minds. But she left and then she, we didn't hear from her. I assume she had an abortion. She came back. Let's fast forward to 2020. She came back six months ago, knocked on our door after we closed. And she had said, can I come in? She came in and she told us that after she had left, she did a lot of thinking, but decided the best option for her would be to carry. So we had the opportunity to love on her then, but we can't do what we do unless we have you all supporting us. And not only financially, but prayerfully, because Satan does not want this ministry to succeed. But through your prayers, and your contributions, it does. And lives are changed. So here's a number for you to, to know. Three, we see three to 400 women. So out of those three to 400 women, I'd say 200 of them were um, abortion-minded. And 193 people that were either abortion-minded or abortion-vulnerable because of situations in their lives that made them vulnerable to that option chose life. But that's because of you all empowering us. Thank you. Amen. That was powerful, wasn't it? Come on. Thank you, Jessica, for being with us today in Abacare. This is a great ministry right here, right here in Winchester, throughout the Shenandoah Valley, and also made the expansion to Martinsburg, I believe, as well, haven't you guys? And so, so good. Thankful for that. You know, many times we come, we hear about the sanctity of human life. And uh, they picked the closest Sunday 
closest to Roe versus Wade decision to observe this and to honor the sanctity of life. And that is this Sunday. And today I want to preach about the sanctity of human life and um, take a break from our series because I think this is so important and so impactful because God has made every human being with inherent value. It's not the value we put on somebody. It's the value that's already inside of us that God has placed there for a purpose and a reason. Amen, church? And so if you have your Bibles, let's go to that first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, where it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every living thing that lives on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. We don't even have time to unpack all of this because this is so powerful and profound for us. But this image of God, the imago Dei is that word, which means in the image of God. You and I are made, every human being is made in the image of God. Do any of you lie in bed at night with regrets? I mean, come on, can we just be honest? We're in church, so you can tell the truth here. How many of you just ever in bed at night sometimes think, man, I wish I would have done that? I, I wish, you know, yes, we all do. You know, inside of us, we're, we're wrestling with what's right and what's wrong and whether we should have done it or should not have done it. Now, the, the difference between us and the animal kingdom, the animal kingdom, they don't wrestle with those things, Right? And I know some of you are like, well, John, when I go home and uh, I talk to my dog and say, hey, did you do this, right? And, and they put their head down and you got to say, that's surely moral and spiritual for sure. No, you've trained that dog to do that. You've trained him or her as a pack leader, unless it's a cat, to show submission to your leadership, Okay. That's not moral, spiritual stuff. That's survival instinct because that dog is worried about whether it's going to live in the next few moments, right? And so do you know what your cat and dog are thinking all day? You know, are, what am I going to eat? When is someone going to let me outside? Um, I think I'll take a nap all day, every day, always. That's the animal kingdom, especially our dogs and cats in our house. That's not how you and I are wired. We're, we're not even wired that way. Mankind alone has dominion because mankind alone has been made in the image of God. And here becomes one of the first questions we have to answer. The first question is, when does this imago Dei, the soul, this moral, spiritual compass, enter into a man or woman? And this is a huge question. Well, the Bible answers this for us. The Bible is going to tell us in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 3 that the image is passed from the fathers to the sons and daughters. So when men and women have children, they are giving birth to little image bearers, men and women, little boys and little girls. And what we see in the Bible in this is this moral, spiritual compass, this soul has a presence inside the womb. And let me show you that, Psalm chapter 58, verse 3, and uh, it's on the screen as well. And the Bible says this, the wicked are estranged from the womb, and they go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Wow. That's a strange text, isn't it? What, why am I bringing up this thing about wickedness? Well, I'll tell you, because the Bible said wickedness, which is a moral state 
of being is in place where? In the womb. So wickedness isn't something morally that occurs in the heart after you and I are born, but the moral spiritual thing that exists in mankind that's set up way, we think, wow, it's way before even creation. Its presence, the soul's presence is in utero, in the womb. And so let's unpack this for a moment so that we truly do understand this. Does anybody's dad sin here? I mean, does anybody's dad sin? Okay, now, if your dad is sitting next to you, go ahead and get your hand up at this point, would you? And and if he doesn't know it, you need to tell him he does, all right? I'm a dad. I've sinned, right? All right, mom, does anybody's mom sin here? Yeah, this isn't math. I just want you to know that we're a negative plus a negative equals a positive. So if dad is a sinner and mom is a sinner, then guess what they give birth to? Little sinners. True? Right. That's true. You think, yeah, my baby's perfect. They're still a sinner, right? All of us are, right? Job even points this out as he looks inside of scriptures. We look in there, Job 15, 14 says, what is man that he can be pure or who is born of a woman that he can be righteous? This is the same argumentation. The soul is intact in utero, in the womb, in the womb. The question now becomes this, since we know the soul is present inside the womb, when in the womb does the soul become present? Well, we know scripture tells us this and it doesn't leave us blind on it. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And so as we look at this, we can answer this according to God's word. When God talks, where does this come in when God talks about the soul coming in this human cellular matter? Are you ready? It's at conception. Not after the first trimester, not after the second trimester. A human being is born, soul intact. When sperm and egg meet and unite, you now have a human, a living human being. The implications of this are just amazing as we look in this scripture, and we should marvel at the detail of God's working, shouldn't we? Psalm 139, where he tells us he's knit us together in our mother's womb. It says that you and I are fearfully, we are wonderfully made. It says God knew all of our days, right, before we even lived one of them outside of the womb. In fact, the weight of the text is actually that he is building us in our mother's womb for the things that he has planned for us. I want you to think about that for a moment. This is a beautiful text. It's a beautiful text that God is building us in our mother's womb for the things that he has planned for us. We should marvel at that. Also, as believers in Christ, we should put a high, high, high value on all of human life, no matter the person's age, that everybody is valuable. Amen? For, from the young and to the old alike, right? There's also massive implica- implications on how we view social issues, right? And this issue, as Jessica spoke a moment ago about an abortion, and some of you are like, no, no, don't go there. Don't, 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 don't get political. Listen, this isn't political. And some have moved this from the politics and moved it into the church and think that we're talking politics and we're talking about this. This isn't politics first. God is the creator. Amen? Long before politics was ever involved in it. 
So please hear my heart today as a pastor sharing you, this many times is fought in the political arena, but I assure you, this is not a political issue. This is a biblical, ethical, spiritual issue that few have been moved by. And the Word of God tells us when life begins, that you and I are made in the image of God. We are not equal to whales and sea turtles. They are, they, they are not more valuable than we are. In the end, let's just talk about the indisputable factual science that when Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973, there was no 3D sonogram. There was no ability to watch our babies, babies smile at us before they were born. By eight weeks, your wife is probably still throwing up. At eight weeks, babies will suck their thumbs we see they respond to sound. There's evidence building that they are dreaming, crazy, and that they recoil from pain inside of the mother's womb. When a needle is needed to go in and take a sample, whatever it may be, that the baby will recoil and pull back. Why? Because at eight weeks, all the major organs are functioning, which means they have a nervous system that's developed. They have a brain that receives signals that hurt. We see the heart is pumping. The, the liver is making blood cells. The kidneys are clearing fluids. There's a fingerprint. By 24 weeks, a baby with just a little bit of help can live outside the womb. 24 weeks, the baby has its own DNA, its own genetic code, its own blood type. It's functioning. The brain is functioning. Kidneys, lungs, it, it has its own dreams. It's not the woman's body. It's in the woman's body. That's not the same. And the arguments go on about this. And so, no, I don't think that a woman has the right to choose in this because the choice has already been made in that, that they are going to give life to this child. You know, and there's this kind of weird argumentation that goes with this that gets detached so many times from our rationale as humans ends that you and I can't do whatever we want to do, right? Though we think we can, just try to drive 100 miles per hour naked on 81 today. You'll find out. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. But, but you can't do whatever you want, right? Right, right. If we just take this argument and we just keep developing it further and further and further, you and I can't do whatever we want because there's consequences for it. We could try but there's consequences for our actions. And uh, Jessica already pointed out that, as we know, one in four women have an abortion. And uh, very little ever mentioned the men who pushed them that way. One of the things as we look at the Word of God, God pulls from the fringes of darkness and shines His brightest light. You know, Saul of Tarsus in Corinth was kicking open doors, we know this, dragging women and men out in the street, binding them, killing them, persecuting Christians. And that's the one who wrote, and such were some of you, that we are no longer this way. Remember Moses? Yeah, he killed a man with his bare hands. You were once this way. And what I want to say today is there is no sin with more power than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, not even the one that we're talking about this morning. If this had more power than the cross, we wouldn't be talking about it today, right? So we don't have to let this situation and circumstance define us. That doesn't define you. Christ 
He finds you because of his forgiveness. That will do. And so newness of life is made available to all who repent and seek his face that, yes, there is forgiveness. There is God's grace. And I know this can be such a heavy topic because that statistic stands true, which we believe it does, that there are people here that have been affected by this. And as we say in this church, it shouldn't be shame on you. It's shame off of you because of Jesus Christ and the power of the cross. You know, I don't know if it's going to happen, but we have been in a theme this year that all things are possible. But it seems like because science is on our side, I pray that it'll be a matter of time that Roe versus Wade will be overturned. That all things are possible. Many say that it can't happen, but I believe that it can. Amen? I believe that it can. And with that said, God has almost always accomplished social change through the outcry of his people, hasn't he? As we look in God's word, he's, he's changed it because of the outcry of God's people. And I think there's, there's defining moments of history. And as we look back on history, maybe we kind of wish that we, uh, we could have been there. That, you know, as I look back, I'm just telling you maybe, maybe 40, 50 years from now that our, our grandbabies are going to think, man, that's really barbaric, and why did you allow yourself to get to that place? And they're going to wonder, how could we sit back and not do anything and lift our voice in a righteous way? How could we just sit on the sidelines and refuse to engage? So let's answer a couple questions. How do we engage in the sanctity of human life? Well, I have four things. Of course, this isn't all of them, but four that I think is important. First of all, that we should repent. Of what? Of our indifference. I think we should repent as the body of Christ of our indifference to this that many times we turn a deaf ear. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to look into it. We don't want to do anything about it because, you know, whether it's compassion, fatigue, we've heard it so many times or we care not to engage. But I think the church, we should repent of our sins that we haven't cared, that we haven't done enough. Then we need to pray. That we pray and uh, here's what I think is we come to this topic that we wonder, man, we need to pray because it's painfully obvious that it's no longer rational. It's painfully and clearly obvious that we look at this. Is, let me give you kind of a couple of reasons, spiritual reasons, as we deal with this, is that so many have a seared conscience is that the arguments are no longer rational. Is all 50 states in the U.S. have strict laws protecting animals from human beings. And if you look at this, you could kill a puppy and you might go to jail, but you kill a baby and you're fine. As we look at this, that we have to deal with the hard facts and we need to come and we need to repent and we need to pray. Pray for our own heart, right? You know, in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel confessed the sins of the nation of Israel. They, they weren't necessarily his sins, but they were the sins of the nation of Israel, and he pled with God to be merciful, to intervene, to straighten out their path, to call them back uh, to, to the law, to the priest, to call them back to the way of God. And so we need to pray that way as well. The third thing is this, is that this should inform how we vote. And I know you're like, oh, Lord, don't bring up this word vote again. We've just gone through this crazy and all of this. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. As I've said it before. Listen, I'm kingdom of God party. This is 
which should inform us how we vote. I'm not talking about Republican and Democrat. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying we can't afford for this issue to not bear weight on how we vote in the future. Some are informed politically more than I am, but since 1973, close to 60 million babies have been aborted that we need to repent and we pray and we pay attention to governmental structures and we have to be people that speak up. Are you with me, church? Then the fourth is we get off the sideline and we get involved. What does that mean? Well, I think there's all sorts of ways that we can get involved. And I think uh, you can get involved in advocacy and pregnancy centers all over the place. In fact, as Jessica is here today in Abacare, in, in just a moment, as we close, she's going to be back there at the table, and uh, she has a brochure, sign up for email from Abacare uh, to get involved, and there's many ways that you and I can get involved in a very practical way every single day, uh, but also with Abacare that's doing a wonderful and amazing job in this. We need to get involved. In the end, we can get involved. And involvement is, isn't all you think. When all is said and done, if involvement must not just shake its fist at darkness, but shine the light in the darkness. That we just can't just say, oh, this is so wrong, and then we don't do anything about it, right? Yeah. Right? But it's shining the light in the dark places. We should be a community known by our love for women our support for women, to those who are willing to open our homes, who are willing to open our pocketbooks and to give, willing to open up space and time. And so for the glory of God, the salvation of others, and for the protection of life, may we be known as a church to do this, because that's what we're called to do. And yes, Jessica brought up adoption, foster. There's so many different ways. Create space for that. That's what Christian hospitality is all about. Or we can just cross our fingers and hope while another million babies are aborted. May it not be on our watch, church. Church, it's our watch. It's our watch. You can't dis. I don't care. You, you tried to. You can't disconnect yourself. I can't disconnect myself from that. It's our watch. It is our watch now. Come on, you're alive? Yes. You bet. Who's going to carry their flag? Who's going to stand in their defense? You want to talk about the civil rights movement? Who are you going to talk about? Martin Luther King Jr. Why? Because he was the voice. He was the flag. He was the one going, not on our watch. You know what? The unborn can't do it. The unborn don't have uh, the opportunity to, but you and I have the opportunity to lift our voice and protect them. Amy Ford wrote this in her book, I read this this week, on help her be brave. She wrote this, I met a woman once that was a pro-life atheist. Committing her life to the cause of life, she said something that I'll never forget. She said, there are over 300,000 churches in America, and if all of them did something to help women be brave and choose life, the issue of abortion wouldn't be an issue anymore because we have the manpower on our side. Wow. A woman that doesn't even believe in our God 
but recognizes the power that lives within us so that we can see how together we can lift up the banner of life. Lift up the banner. And so that responsibility falls on every single one of us because the Bible clearly says that we are called to the least of these in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 40. Who is more least than the unborn? There is no genocide, war, ethnic group out there who is more oppressed and suffering, more unjustly slaughtered today than the unborn. God help us as a church and as a body of Christ to lift our voice for this that is so unrighteous and ungodly. Will you join me in prayer? Father, help us today. Forgive our indifference. Maybe, Lord, today for many of us, we just didn't know, but some of us we knew. And I pray that there would be such a powerful touch of your healing right now on women who are in this room or in the sound of my voice, that this is extremely personal for them. Father, I pray as the enemy would like to heap shame, God, that the truth of your forgiving grace might wash like warm water to their soul over every woman. For the men in this room who have pushed women this way, who have funded these things, I pray the same healing power over them, Father. I pray that, Lord, in our hearts where there has been a silent, quiet, unconfessed gnawing of your soul that we might step into the light. Thank you that there is no sin with more power than the cross. I thank you that today, Lord, that you love to pull us out of the fringes of darkness, Lord, to create the most brilliant light to shine. Might we move from shame and regret of our former actions into the bright light of a life transformed by your goodness and grace. For the rest of us, stir our hearts today. Stir us up, Lord, that we would give. Stir up our time. Stir up our zeal. Stir up our gifting. Stir up our steadfastness. And may we give ourselves over to the glory of your name for the defense of life to what is right. And I pray that we may be marked today by grace and compassion and love that shaking our fists at the darkness would never be how we're defined, but rather the willingness, Lord, to sacrifice, the willingness to give, the willingness to open up our homes, to give time, to walk in compassion with all that might be a mark of our lives, our attitudes, in our homes. Help us, Father, because it's in your beautiful name. We thank you that, Father, you built us while we were in our mother's womb to do the things that you have planned for us. And so, Lord, I thank you for it, and we give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen, amen and amen. 
Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.